Welcome to Mornings with Mike. Public Safety Today. Grab a coffee and sign up to receive your call-in information. Be a part of the show. For more information at any time, please visit www.tapsd.org. Now, let's get started with your host, Mike Pazesny. Good morning, folks. This is Mike. I'm here with another two-hour show. We schedule on Public Safety Today two-hour shows, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on public safety topics that you have asked for us to be able to bring to you. Uh, Our focus is on building community within the public safety profession and collaborating to develop optimum performance solutions for America's peacekeepers. Today's presentation uh, being all about violence-proofing our schools, crisis within our schools, and the training manual that we're using for today's lesson being Richard James's Crisis Intervention Strategies, 6th edition. And uh, one of the reasons, again, that we're using Richard James's text on this is because Richard was part of the Memphis model, which created the crisis intervention teams that are now actually... I think I got some stats this morning that said that there are roughly 2,000 different crisis intervention teams across the country in all different shades of of uh, of um, activity within different communities, which is just fantastic. What a legacy to leave behind. Uh, today's presentation, being about crisis in schools, speaks to the change that we have seen in schools, public and private, across this country in the last 50 years. And James does a good job of, of uh, coming up with the the violence-proof school building of the new millennium, as he refers to it, and it's something that I think we need to we need to pay attention to because uh, I don't know how many of you have kids uh, who do have to go visit uh, the school that your kids are in, but the security precautions that modern day schools are having to take in order to be able to protect the kids within um, is amazing, and um, I will never forget that I was I was managing a um, region of probation offices, and one of these probation offices, I had a really good manager in there. He was a real high-energy guy, and everybody liked him, and he did a, he did a, a pretty good job. Um, but he started having some problems. He started showing uh, some some behaviors that um, that weren't acceptable, and, and I ended up having to replace him. And a lot of these destructive behaviors that he started uh, displaying he began after his wife, who was a middle school educator, uh, was attacked by one of her students. This woman was a was a middle school educator um, in a predominantly uh, minority urban school, and she was handing back assignments in her class, and a student did not appreciate the grade that he got and walked up to the front of the classroom and she's sitting there at her desk and he says, hey, you need to change this grade. And and I'm having to paraphrase, obviously, through all this. And she said, well, no, that's that's the grade that you earned. And he said, well, uh, I, you need to change this grade. And she said, no, I'm not going to change the grade. You need to go sit down. And when she told him to go sit down, he punched her right in the face and broke her nose and then proceeded to start attacking her. So she had to defend herself against this this kid, um, and again, this is a middle schooler. But you know, I'm sorry, but kids today in middle schools and in high schools are not like the kids of 50 years ago. So 
the administrators, you know, obviously the, the SRO shows up, security shows up, you know, they're pulled apart and they're separated and she's taken to the administrator's office. And the first words out of that administrator's mouth was, well, what did you do? What did you do wrong? What did you do to provoke him? This must have been your fault because he's a child and you're an adult. You should know better than to say whatever it was that you said. Did you call him something? And they just started grilling her. Now, this poor woman has just, by that time, she had gotten some basic uh, first aid from an ambulance that responded to the scene uh, that was called when 911 was called. And, um, and she needed to go to the doctor. And they wanted to go ahead and get statements from her before she left. So this woman's being re-victimized by the administrators of that school. And the anger that was caused between her and her husband, who worked for me, eventually dissolved and eroded their their marriage uh, as he wanted to pull her out of education where he felt as though it was getting too dangerous for her um, and where she wanted to stay in education because she felt as though that was her mission and her profession and what she had been trained for and what she wanted to do. Very difficult situation. And I think that it speaks to the change in our schools and the people who are being served. And in the 21st century, um, James gives us some ideas about things that are coming or have come to our schools in order to protect the staff as well as the students who are attending those schools. You know, we're, we're not spending any money on landscaping because somebody might be able to hide behind the shrubbery, and we need to have good exterior plane views uh, for security vehicles that can be patrolling the perimeter on a 24-7 basis to protect the people inside as well as the property and ground. You know, we don't want taggers going ahead and, and tagging the school. Uh, we don't want some juvenile delinquent vandalizing the school. So we've floodlit the whole facade of the school. And in order to be able to protect the school, we've erected a 10-foot chain link security fence as a, as a barrier to try to slow people down as they try to destroy the school that the taxpayers have built. You know, there's a vehicle path around the perimeter of the school so that security vehicles can surveil the building, uh, both uh, during and after school. All of this come to the school in buses, and the buses are equipped with video monitors and two-way radios so that the activities of the, of the students within the bus can be monitored uh, and recorded. Uh, for the few students who drive, the student parking lot has its own 10-foot chain-link fence with razor wire on top to try to hold down on the number of break-ins that they have in the, in the parking lot. The lot is gated, so the student drivers have to have passes and hanger tags in order to be able to get in, and the security guard will check all the students and all the parents who comes into the parking lot because uh, we have to make sure that as they make it past the angled concrete median dividers, that there uh, can't be any straight-on assaults by individuals who want to do drive-by shootings or maybe school bombings, you know, because this is the uh, land of the free. Uh, we only have one student entrance into the school where all the students have to go through a metal detector, and we only allow students to use see-through backpacks uh, that are run through an x-ray machine just to make sure that there isn't anything that might be stashed in there that might be dangerous. Uh, we require school uniforms because we have to be sensitive to the fact that some students can't be perceived as being any better uh, socioeconomically off than any of the other students. And once the students are in the building, all the entry and hall doors 
are electronically locked down. But don't worry, the, the teachers have swipe cards so that they can move freely throughout the building. And then just to make sure that they're moving without duress, we have closed-circuit TVs and call boxes at the front entrance so that parents can gain access from someone of the one of the staff who can supervise and escort them. Um, although uniforms are mandatory, you can have your choice of school colors. But, you know, of course, none of those colors can be uh, used by any known gangs that operate in and around that school. So we need to do a security threat group analysis around the school and in the school to ensure that the uniforms that the students are wearing won't conflict with gangs that might be uh, in the local area. And the students will all have holographic ID cards that are attached to the uniforms as well as the faculty having those. And the students also usually will have uh, GPS locators. Initially they'll be carried, but eventually we'll do skin implantations. And um, all faculty will be equipped with panic alarms, and they'll carry their cell phones with speed dial numbers that are already preset to be able to call security in the event that something happens. Um, staff, just like students, will have their uniforms that will be uh, security threat group proofed. Uh, we'll have uh, Kevlar bulletproof vests in the school colors assigned to each staff member. Uh, the building itself, though, will be much safer for the students in the future. It won't have any windows. There'll be a few small windows that will be made of bulletproof glass to allow some, some sunshine to get in just for psychological reasons. But the walls will be double brick thick um, so that newer munitions that can penetrate single brick thickness won't be able to make it through. Uh, we'll have a central monitoring station in each one of the schools capable of visual, auditory, and motion surveillance of the entire school building inside and outside the building with digital recording and databasing uh, to servers which are off-site in the event that the school is taken out by some kind of an attack and to ensure that the uh, data can't be, uh, can't be hacked. All classroom doors will be equipped with timed electronic locks uh, that can only be opened through a computer program or written from this central monitoring station, which will be staffed. And then the hallways will have locked electronic doors at, at certain focus points and uh, strategic locations for crowd control. And in the event that there's an intruder that is able to breach security, uh, that intruder can be sealed off from other people as they're evacuated. The, uh, the real savings, though, in all of the schools of the future is going to be in the building architecture. You know, we, uh, we, we have downsized the gymnasiums because we don't need bleachers. Crowds are hazardous and there's security risks. So we, we don't have crowds at the schools. We don't have uh, pep assemblies or sporting events or plays or pageants uh, that have crowds with them. What we do is we have those events, but we watch them on TV monitors piped back into the classrooms for student participation. Uh, athletic events get played on isolated fields so spectators can watch uh, through their local community cable television. Uh, we don't need showers or locker rooms at the school, which reduces the architectural uh, expenditures. Uh, we've also cut the width of the hallways because there's no lockers in the school because lockers are conducive to the students being able to hide contraband. There's really no need for lunches uh, or for a cafeteria be, uh, serving lunches because the um, lunches can either be microwaved in the classroom where the students have been secured or hot-packed from a central food prep facility where they're delivered uh, to each one of the classrooms by cafeteria personnel. Cafeterias are places where students can congregate, and anytime we have a congregation of students, we can have dangerous behavior. So we need to do away with those cafeterias as just another location of student congregation that might, need, might lead to problems. 
Um, there are no faculty bathrooms. Student bathrooms are, are dangerous places, and those need to be policed. So by eliminating faculty bathrooms, we can ensure that faculty are also keeping an eye on students as the faculty have to use the student facilities. The administrative area right now where students typically have been checking in all these decades is uh, what we use as our command and control center. We have that command and control center within each school target hardened with maximum security measures to protect the people who were there as well as it being uh, digitally the school's nerve center. Uh, most of the interaction between the administrators and students and teachers is by video. Uh, we're able to reduce the number of administrators that we need to offset some of the security costs by having centralized administrators away from the school who can then serve as hostage negotiators or uh, crisis interventionists or um, uh, emergency management uh, personnel in the event that there's a school catastrophe. And that way we're not losing our leadership in the event that the school gets taken out. Um, only staff who require access to the administrative area have electronic card keys that empower them to be able to get in there. The central staff are a little different from the staff of schools in the last millennia where, when you grew up. Um, besides the administrative staff, the secretary, support personnel are all crisis workers. Uh, we normally have at least four school police officers who have been trained in dealing with school violence and those operate from a police ready room within the school, uh, actually kind of a small precinct station which is located there at the school where we keep uh, uh, a small armory of uh, tasers, uh, CS gas, OC spray, riot control equipment, and things like that. The uh, Again, the principal in the New Millennium School plays a, a somewhat a secondary role. The co-administrator is the chief of security. Uh, she typically will have at least a master's in criminal justice, experience in law enforcement, hopefully has been post-certified, uh, might have a thorough understanding of computer and security systems, and in any emergency, she has been certified as the primary decision-making authority. The, the principal, who is probably more of an educator, uh, probably does not have the necessary expertise to be able to coordinate security. Um, so we're going to rely on the principal to try to ensure that there is some educational process taking place. But the co-administrator being chief of security is going to be responsible for ensuring the safety and the integrity of the institution as a whole. If this looks anything like... Um, a correctional facility, which has been built in the last 10 years, will welcome to the 21st century of public education because that's about, uh, that's about where we're going to have to go. There's like changes that are slowly beginning to happen in our universities. There are universities now that are changing their security practices where the universities, you know, a lot of times campuses are spread out over a lot of different buildings. But we're starting to see now where we have – uh, um, chain link fences which are being put up as barriers between different buildings. We're beginning to see an increased use of student ID cards. Uh, we're beginning to see a lot of uh, palm identification, handprint identification. Uh, as voice layered technology improves, we'll be able to see voice recognition checks which include a digital analysis of the uh, voice layered technology to indicate whether or not that, is, that uh, student is uh, 
is in crisis or is showing signs of anger so that we can automatically dispatch a school crisis counselor to be able to interview that student and ensure that they're not going to do something which is going to place themselves or anybody else in danger. No part of the university campus, of course, will be without some kind of surveillance cameras, and all the surveillance cameras will be linked to a central command post. So if there is a suspicious activity which has been spotted, an alert can be sent out to an armed police officer who is somewhere in that area to where they can be immediately dispatched and take care of things. Students obviously will also have GPS transmitters that will give their location anywhere on campus so that they can be pinpointed in the event that uh, somebody tries to, um, to kidnap one of them or has some kind of nefarious contact with them. All students will be required to carry cell phones. The cell phones must be turned on and keyed to a university threat and warning system that will automatically page the entire student body if, in fact, there is an imminent threat. And those imminent threats will be communicated by a text message telling the students exactly what it is that they should do, what the best evacuation points will probably uh, probably be. We have the text feature that's going to have to uh, ensure that it doesn't ring, obviously, in class because then the students... Um, the students might cause problems, so they'll have to auto-generate a vibrate mode, which will be built into the software of all telephones across the country, eventually is a, requ a federal requirement in the way that they're being built. Loudspeakers and intercoms over all of the college campuses will ensure that all of the people who are there, faculty and students, will hear warnings and evacuation instructions. All buildings will have electronic locking systems, which can be activated immediately upon any threat announcement to lock all buildings down. All faculty and resident staff will be trained to recognize early danger signs, any kind of violence threats that might be out there. Um, there might be a reduction on our college campuses in the number of uh, commuter students because they'll have to go through various checkpoints in order to be able to get onto the school compound. Oh, I'm sorry, not school compound, uh, school campus. Uh, most students who don't live on campus will probably end up taking a lot of courses by distance learning or taking them online because of the various barriers that they're going to have to get through in order to be able to attend campus on, uh, on site. Uh, most cars will be parked at least a quarter mile away from university buildings to reduce the threat from car bombs. Um, the campus police chief will be much further up the chain of command within each one of those campuses and will have their own hardened command center right there on campus with a number of different technologists, both to keep the security apparatus running and to be able to uh, perform on-site emergency work in the event that there is a an active shooter situation or uh, just like we had in Pennsylvania recently with the student who was manufacturing, quote-unquote, weapons of mass destruction, uh, end quote, in his dormitory room. So now we have taken our, our elementary schools and middle schools and high schools and our colleges and effectively turned them all into penitentiaries. And uh, we will probably be wondering then why it is that uh, we do or don't have an educational system that uh, keeps is able to keep students within the schools. But that's that's where we're headed, folks. That's the, that's the progress that we have made in the last 50 years in this country. Nothing like, uh, you know, what I grew up in, but then these are different times. And this shows... Uh, all of the wonderful, positive, and correct decisions that we have made in the way that we manage our society over these last 50 years. So we're going to take a break now that we've enlightened everybody as to what the new millennia is going to be providing us in the uh, in the uh, the planning and the the architecture and the digital management system of our our fantastic uh, educational assets. And when we come back, we're going to be taking a look at disasters within schools. 
and uh, a little bit more, a little bit more um, uh, easygoing approach to uh, easygoing is not a good word for it. I don't know how to say this, but it's an approach that you're probably going to accept a little bit easier as to the complexities of our schools right now, uh, different kinds of crisis intervention methods that we have uh, within our schools and that we need to implement, and hopefully, if we have time within the broadcast. Uh, some warning signs and, and danger signs that we need to look out for, some behavioral cues that we need to look out for in those students who may, in effect, be planning uh, their own attacks on students or faculties or, or school grounds. So stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You are listening to the American Public Safety Training Institute. may have a degree, but do you have what it takes? Get your foot in the door by earning your certificate now. Online and field training available now from TASTI. Get the skills from the best trainers in America. Find out how at www.tapsd.org. 